This is an IELTS Energy Podcast, episode 1295. Three keys for having any part three conversation. Welcome to the IELTS Energy Podcast from All Ears English, downloaded more than 22 million times with former IELTS examiner Jessica Beck and Aubrey Carter, the IELTS whiz. If you are stuck with a low score, our insider method will help you get the score you need to unlock your dreams. Get your estimated band score now with our two-minute quiz. Go to allearsenglish.com forward slash my score. Today's episode was inspired by the new Spider-Man movie and a group of Turkish girls we have the privilege of teaching. We'll share a three-step process you can use on any IELTS Part 3 speaking question. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello! Happy birthday! <gasps> Thanks, Jessica! <laughs> I know, we told you guys when we recorded weeks ago, like, ooh, today's my birthday, but because we record in advance, today's actually my today's birthday. Today's actually your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that may be confusing, but the right. timeline checks out. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aubrey, what is, if you could do anything today for your birthday, what would it be? Probably go to a movie. I really love just being in a dark theater when it's cold and popcorn. Oh, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna make that happen. I'm going to a movie tonight. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, guys. We have an awesome speaking part three strategy for you today. Um, these three steps, these three keys will help you answer any part three question. Weird ones, tough ones, easy ones, whatever. This strategy works. So before we give you the strategy with examples, I want to give you some context. I want to explain how I thought of this in the first place. So I was making a class for a group of awesome Turkish girls last week. Aubrey, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you and I both get to teach for this program. Yes, it's this amazing nonprofit called Be the Voice of Girls that we've been teaching with for a couple of years now. It is the best group of girls. They're young, they're teenagers, but so bright, so intelligent. All of their comments and questions and thoughts, I'm just so impressed. Mm -hmm. I think they're leaps and bounds ahead of where I was at their age, especially 100%. in a second language. Here they're speaking yeah. in English. It's not even their first language. I just am so impressed by them. It's the most amazing program, and we're so lucky to get to teach those eighth grade girls. Um, and so anyway, the topic of last week's lesson that I had to create was digital art. <laughs> and I'm like, I how? How am I going to create an hour-long class with like, the traditional like role plays and the structure that we normally use. I'm like, that's not going to work for this topic. How am I going to, how am I going to do this? So I started simply, I just was like digital art definition. <laughs> and that's where I started. And I made a slide and then I went from there and then I thought, okay, now let's go one level deeper. 
what can I teach them about these things? What are some examples, you know, some general examples? Um, what can they talk about? And then one level deeper, how do I connect with it? How do I find specific vocabulary and stuff to talk about related to this? So that was my process for coming up with a class. And I was nervous, but it went really well. And then I thought, hey, that three-step process would work for IELTS speaking part three. <laughs> yes, it's such a good idea because you do get on speaking part three questions that when you first hear them, you you might be very unfamiliar. You might just sort of really have no idea what to say. And if you have this three-step process, then you have somewhere to start, something to say for any question, however weird it is. Totally. So we'll give you an example as it relates to digital art, because we've mentioned that. I looked it up. Um, and then we're going to give you two more examples with uh, different part three questions to show you to demonstrate how to use this strategy. So let's get into this. What if you're asked about digital art? Um, start with a definition, a very simple definition out loud, right? You're defining it for yourself and the examiner. It serves as an introduction, right? And it gives you time to think. So Aubrey, what is the definition of digital art. Yeah, this is art made using computers, software, or other electronic devices. So I love this <laughs> just to define it out loud because what if you're a little fuzzy on it and you sort yeah. of define it out loud and realize, oh, actually, maybe it's not just narrate your thoughts, right? Oh, yeah. actually, it's not exactly that. It's more, you know, what we create with computers and software as you're sort of nailing down the definition. Totally. That all is showing your fluency that you can narrate your thinking process. And um, I think as we talk out loud, it uh, it we discover things while we talk, you know, like yeah. as as soon as I saw the definition, I was like, OK, that is so simple. Like, why was I? <laughs> Why was I Why making was I this more complicated than it had to be? Because I did start just like making slides and boom, boom, boom. And then I was like, this isn't, this isn't working. It doesn't make sense. And I had to go back to the drawing board, as they say. So start with a simple definition and then just say anything, you know, connected to that. What does that definition make you think of, right? Start coming up with examples. So I think the number one thing that might come to mind, the first thing is photographs with filters. I count that as digital art. That stuff Absolutely. people do every day. I know I would probably mention Photoshop because we've started just to, as a joke with friends. We'll like Photoshop a funny image or our face on something else, right? However you relate to it personally, <laughs> awesome. it's going to be the easiest way to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just remember, there's no wrong answer. Anything you think of. Um, okay. And then this is, I guess, optional, but I think you guys should try to go one level deeper and really connect it to something specific, something personal, right? So what I did before the class and during the class, and this actually helped me create the, the lesson structure, was thinking of the new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Across the Universe, Across the Spider-Verse. Aubrey, have you seen this? I haven't. I know. I oh. admitted to Jessica, my kids love it. They 
they are actually going today to see it again in the theater because they're obsessed. But That's I haven't even awesome. seen the first one. I got to see it. I you have it. to go with them. I would 100 percent see it again, like right now. As soon as I finished, I would have watched it again immediately. <laughs> oh, um, awesome. But it was just like such a happy coincidence that James and I went to see this um, like right after or no, right before I made this lesson because like it put it into context for me. So that's what I would talk about on Speaking Part 3. I would talk about all the digital art and the different art styles in that movie, as well as the music. Um, that counts as digital art, right? So anyway, I won't go on about the new Spider-Man movie just to say it's the most stunning movie I've ever seen and everyone should watch it. Nice. I just had a chance. I told you about this, Jessica. I watched there's a movie coming out in November called Wish. And they they were doing like a focus group to get feedback. And the art is not finished. It's like 30% animated. So it was so cool to watch it at all the different stages where some of it's just storyboards and drawing and some of it was finished. And it was really neat to see that process. So for me, if I had this part three question, because I haven't seen the Spider-Verse movie, I need to. I would talk about that, right? Anyway, you can make it personal Ooh. to share any experience you have with that topic. Yeah. That's how you go a little deeper. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, so let's test out this strategy. All right. Now, guys, we haven't planned this. All right. We are looking at two brand new part three questions and we're going to see in real time if this strategy works. All right. So um, I'll try it out first. Aubrey, can you ask me right. the first question? Yeah, here we go. Why are some sports fans so passionate? Hmm. I suppose, let's see, how would I define passionate? First of all, I would define passionate as something that um, we use a lot of our <clears throat> energy for and our reactions to the thing, good or bad, are extreme. Either it can make us very, very ecstatic or it can make us super depressed. That's how I think of passionate. So that's a good question. Why do people become passionate about sports? I think um, I think they had to be raised on this. Like this was a part of their like family culture. I have a hard time believing that if anybody just discovered some sport and a sports team in the and like as an adult that they would be passionate. Um, I think they have to be raised in the culture of this team and also probably play the sport. That helps. So I think those two things create passionate sports fans. Nice. Excellent job. I can really see how this, this strategy would help if you get a question about this with the word passionate and anything where you're sort of if you, you're just taking a second to think, what exactly does passionate mean? I'm going to say this out loud. OK, so passionate means right. Extreme excitement, fervor, heightened emotions, and then go from there into, you know, who would be passionate about sports? How do how do we get that way? I All right, I'm ready. I didn't I didn't go the level deeper into the personal example, though, but I think my answer was long enough already. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's the thing. These answers aren't are going to be about a minute. So you might have a chance if you define it quickly, share something and to, to go into that personal example. But of course, it's not like you have to use all three steps if you've shared enough details. 
All right. Awesome. So last question, Aubrey, how do people in your country feel about protecting historic buildings? Wow. Protecting. That's interesting. I define that as preserving, saving, keeping it from being destroyed. So when it comes to historical building, historic buildings that might need to be saved from being destroyed, I'm imagining those that are already um, in disrepair, that are already crumbling. And in general, I feel like most people are okay with those being raised and replaced with something else. But every now and then we do get someone who is um, a little more extreme about wanting to preserve that history. And then they they do, they'll, they'll get really passionate about protecting them. That was so good. And it occurred to me while you were talking, because I heard so much great vocab and I thought like, how does this strategy encourage that amazing vocab? Because it encourages you to paraphrase. And because when we're defining and then going a level deeper into that definition, connecting it to the topic, that is literally forcing us to paraphrase, right? Say yeah. an idea in a different way, define. So, um, part of your vocabulary score, guys, on IELTS is showing your ability to paraphrase. Like black and white, that's what it says in the descriptors. And so this strategy accomplishes that. Um, awesome. I am excited about our students using this strategy. And I want to point out, it really felt to me because I do not have a personal example. I would have had to make something up about either caring about a historic building or knowing someone who does. I can't <laughs> think of an example, right? But I had plenty to say just defining what does that mean to preserve or protect some kind of building and then the p people who potentially might care. Whereas if I weren't using this strategy and didn't have those first two steps, this would definitely be a question where I might kind of just be like, I don't know. I don't really know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think these were really good um, questions to, to give as examples because they would mm -hmm. stump a lot of people. Um, all right, guys, find this on YouTube, episode 1295 on IELTS Energy TV. Leave a comment, guys, on the video and try to use today's strategy to answer one of today's questions or just leave us a review for the new Spider-Man movie. <laughs> There you go. I want to hear it. Convince me. Convince me to go see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leave a persuasive comment. All yes. right. Awesome. Aubrey, thanks for chatting today. Awesome. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to IELTS Energy. Hit subscribe now and don't forget to find your estimated band score at allearsenglish.com slash my score. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.